Tonight we continue to look at the life of Moses. We're going to uh, look at Moses before Pharaoh. We aren't really going to look at all the plagues and so on, because we're focusing on Moses' life, but certainly uh, these initial encounters with Pharaoh are an important part of Moses' life, and we will see how God uses this as a time to develop and to promote uh, faith in Moses and in the Israelites. Key verses, Exodus 5.1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. We start with Exodus 5.1 and we encounter the word afterward. So we need to look at what precedes. And that is Exodus 4.31. So the people believed. Moses and Aaron did the signs before the children of Israel. And they believed. And when they had heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had been there and seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshipped. So they were thankful, grateful, and ascribed honor and glory to God when they heard that God had seen and was concerned about their affliction, that God was going to deliver them. However, things don't work out as they initially anticipated, and so, hence, their faith is put to the test. Now they're going to have to believe in God, even though they don't see God at work in the immediate situation. The mindset of Moses and Aaron as they go before Pharaoh. God had already told Moses that he would harden Pharaoh's heart. Therefore, Pharaoh would not let the people go. Exodus 4.21 The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. So why then should Moses and Aaron go unto Pharaoh? Well, obviously, it's to fulfill the will of God, it's to bring about the purposes that he has in, has, uh, in desire. And God prepares Moses and Aaron for the negativity that they're going to encounter. But on the other hand, they're really not prepared for the negativity that they are going to encounter. It's one thing to know it, it's another thing to experience it. But it's God's grace to let them know ahead of time that not everything is going to work out in just a smooth-flowing fashion. Secondly, the request of Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh. The terms of the request, Exodus 5.1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Then Exodus 5.3. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us, now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Number one, the request was to travel three days in the wilderness to worship God. God had already promised to Moses and his people that they would worship God at Mount Sinai, Exodus 3.12. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have heard you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. It's much more than a three-day journey to Sinai. So God had promised them something greater than what they initially asked of Pharaoh. 
So number two, why didn't Moses and Aaron ask Pharaoh for permission to leave the land for good? Or at least leave the land to go to Mount Sinai? Well, A, the purpose in laying the command upon Pharaoh in the manner that they did was to reveal the nature of Pharaoh's hard heart. What Pharaoh found objectionable was the worship of Jehovah. If you could put in a nutshell, what was it that Pharaoh was objecting to? Answer, it was the worship of Jehovah. Because initially, all they ask is for a three-day leave. And the implication is they're going to come back after three days. But he won't even allow for that. Exodus 5.2 Then Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. In this verse, Pharaoh affirms three negatives. First, that he does not know the Lord. I don't know the Lord. He, he has no awareness, no personal relationship to Jehovah. He is not a believer in Jehovah. He does not worship Jehovah. Secondly, he will not obey the Lord. And I will not let Israel go. Uh, So he is defiant. Uh, Not only does he have no personal relationship with God, he has no desire at all to heed or to follow God's instruction. And third, he does not honor the Lord. Uh, Exodus 5, 2, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? So who is this Lord? Uh, Why should I care what you people say about your God? So he is not interested in promoting the worship of Jehovah. The whole thing just makes no sense to Pharaoh, and thus he is not willing to let the children of Israel go. The purpose in laying the command upon Pharaoh in the manner that they did was show the essence of Israel's mission. The ultimate purpose for Israel's release was to worship and serve God, Exodus 5.1, that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. A contest was to follow between God and Pharaoh. The issue was, whose people were the Israelites? Did they belong to Pharaoh or to God? To whom were these Israelites ultimately responsible? Pharaoh said it was to him. And God said it was to God. So the contest is going to ensue as to whom the children of Israel have an obligation to serve. See, the purpose in laying the command upon Pharaoh in the manner that they did was to crystallize the purpose of deliverance. The intent on God's part was not merely to release Israel from its bondage in Egypt. It wasn't simply to get them out of Egypt, out of servitude, out of hardship, out of affliction. It wasn't just the negative. Nor was the primary intent to bring them to a wonderful and good land, the land of Canaan. And he is going to bring them to a wonderful good land. He is going to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. He is going to richly bless them. But three, the reason for the release from captivity was so the children of Israel could worship and serve God. That is the ultimate purpose of their being released from captivity. And we are to learn from the great Exodus account in all of the workings of God, a lesson about our own salvation. 
And that is that God is not intent simply on delivering us from hardship, difficulty, affliction, and problems. Nor is it simply to deliver us from hardship, difficulties, and problems and take us to be with him in heaven forever and ever. But the reason that God saves us is for us to worship and serve God, to do his bidding, his will. It's to serve him. So the very familiar verses to you, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. So God saved us to perform good works, good deeds, to achieve his purpose and his end. And that's what God has in view for the children of Israel. And that's where they often run amok. Because they want to be in a land flowing with milk and honey. They want to be out from affliction and heartache and misery. But many times they're not particularly interested in worshiping and serving God. And that's what God has to continually deal with in the rebelliousness of the children of Israel. And that's what God has to deal with even in our own lives. So B, the motivation for the request. Exodus 5.3. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. Number one. If the children of Israel would not be willing to go, then God would bring pestilence upon them. That's what they said. If you don't let us go, if if we don't go, then we're going to experience pestilence. We're going to experience plagues. We could experience the sword. Number two, because the children of Israel were willing to go, but Pharaoh prohibited them, therefore the plagues would fall upon the Egyptians. Because God, because Pharaoh sought to prohibit the children of Israel from doing that which they were willing to do, the pestilences that were to come upon them if they failed to worship and serve God would be transferred to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Because now it was not the Israelites that were unwilling to serve and worship God, but it was the Egyptians that were unwilling to allow the children of Israel to worship and serve God. So, three, the response of Pharaoh to Moses' request. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you talking the people, uh, excuse me, why are you taking people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. It appears from this statement that Pharaoh had already heard of the conferences that Moses and Aaron had with the Israelites. That this word that uh, Moses had said to the children of Israel that they were going to be uh, delivered from their affliction, the miracles that they had performed evidently had already reached Pharaoh's ears. Further, it also appears that the anticipated release on the part of the Israelites caused them to be much less diligent and agreeable in their forced labors. 
where it says in Exodus 5.5, you are stopping them from working. Evidently, when they heard this news, they were so excited and so delighted that they were going to be free from their affliction that they began to slack off. Uh, Why work so hard? God's going to deliver us. And they began to be unagreeable. They began to rebel against Pharaoh. They began to take things in their own hand, their own initiative. And Pharaoh says, why then are you stopping them from working? See, Pharaoh wanted the people back hard at work. So Exodus 5, 4, get back to your work. So there's where we find out that, that they are slacking off because he's not concerned that they will slack off in the future. He's concerned that that's what they're doing now. He says, get back to work. So Pharaoh's response was a quick one, verse 6. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and foremen in the charge of the people. Pharaoh's response was a harsh one. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. So he says, this isn't really about worship. This isn't really about serving God. This is simply about a lazy people who are trying to get out of work. And so they want a three-day festival because they don't want to work. They don't want to work. Uh, I remember years ago, I worked at a, a store in Berkshire Mall that's now out of business, but uh, it was called Hughes and Hatchers. It was a, a men's clothing store. And uh, back in those days, it was always closed on a Sunday. And one uh, year, uh, I was working at uh, Hughes and Hatchers, and it was time to take inventory. And so they were going to take inventory on Sunday. And I said to uh, the uh, manager, uh, he knew me. Uh, he knew uh, that I was a Christian. I had witnessed to him already. And uh, I said, you know, I teach Sunday school, etc. And uh, I would really appreciate it if I could be released from having to work on Sunday. He said, everybody works on Sunday this one Sunday a year, that's all I ask, no exception. So I said, all right. So I went into work, and uh, I worked that, that day, and I got done. And he said, Cal, he said, uh, uh, you forgot to punch your, your card. Uh, he said, you know, you're going to get double time for this today. He said, but you, you forgot to, to punch in, so I wrote your, on your card, but punch out. And I said, no, I didn't forget. I said, I want to get paid. He said, what do you mean don't want to get paid? And I said, well, because I don't want to do this for the money. I'm doing this because I think this is a way that I can serve and, and help you. But uh, my heart's not here. I don't want to do it. I don't want to get paid for it. And he didn't say anything else. A uh, whole year went around, and I was still working at Hughes and Hatchers. That was when I was going to college. And uh, it came time for inventory. And he said, everybody's got to work for inventory. I don't care what your excuse is. He said, you know, basically the same kind of thing. You're lazy if you don't want to work on this one, one day. And he looked at me and he said, Cal, he said, you don't have to work. And he said, because he's going to be in church. And he said, 
to everybody else. Now, don't you say you're going to be in church because he's in church every Sunday, is what, is what he said. But, but that's the kind of response, you see, that, that Pharaoh had. Uh, his response was, you're just lazy. You're not really interested in worshiping God. You, you, just, you just don't want to work. And so he's going to make it difficult for them. So Pharaoh's response was an unbelieving one, verse 9. Make the work harder for the men so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. So he sees Moses as misrepresenting the situation. Pharaoh's response was a cruel one. Then the slave drivers and the foremen went out and said to the people, This is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required for you each day, just as when you add straw. The Israelite foremen appointed by Pharaoh's slave drivers were beaten and were asked, Why didn't you meet your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? So, things got tough. Number four, the response of the leaders of Israel. The leader's response to Pharaoh, verse 15 to 19. Then the Israelite foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now, get to work. You will be given. You will not be given any straw. Yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. So they had an audience with Pharaoh. The Israelite foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh. They complained unto Pharaoh, "Why have you treated your servants this way? They contend that the requirements are unreasonable." Your servants are given no straw, yet we're told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. So he says, look, this is, the Israelite foreman said, this is, this is unfair. This, is, this doesn't make any sense. You're telling us to do something, and you're not supplying us with the supplies. The unhappy reason is explained to them. They're lazy, and they have asked to go and serve God. The Israelite leaders come to understand that they were in big trouble. The Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. They knew that what was being asked of them was impossible. It couldn't be done. And so they were going to be at wit's end. So they are sent out. B, the leader's response to Moses and Aaron. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. So let's go down to number one. They encountered Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them. Uh, Moses and Aaron evidently knew that this meeting was taking place between the foreman and Pharaoh, and Moses and Aaron desperately wanted to know what happened. How did this turn out? Tell us about your meeting. Tell us what Pharaoh said. Tell us what you said. Tell us what happened. Number two, it is fair to say that they were not too happy with Moses and Aaron. 
And they said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. Uh, May God bring upon you his wrath, his, his judgment. They looked at Moses and Aaron and said, this is your fault. This is your doing. We had it just fine. You know, they forget about all the affliction, hardship, difficulty. Everything was going okay. Yeah, we were slaves. But at least we could get our work done. But now, it's impossible to do what's being asked of us. And it's all your fault. If you wouldn't have gone and spoken to Pharaoh, if you wouldn't have gone and and interceded, if you wouldn't have done all this, Moses, this wouldn't have happened. So the response of Moses to God. Moses doesn't understand what God is doing. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? You see, God had said that Pharaoh would not let the people go. He knew that. But God didn't tell Moses that Pharaoh was going to withhold straw. God didn't tell Moses that things were going to get worse. He didn't know all the difficulty that was going to come. He knew that Pharaoh was going to say no. But that's all that he knew. And evidently, this really took him aback. He, he wasn't anticipating this. B, things have gotten worse, not better, for the children of Israel. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. What in the world is God doing? God said to Moses, I have heard the affliction of my people. Their voice, their cry has come up unto me and I am going to deliver them. That God who said, I will hear because their cry of affliction has come up unto me has now brought about even greater affliction than they ever knew before. They're getting beaten daily because they can't meet this this quota. Things have gotten much worse. So Moses asks God, why? Why? This is the part of Moses' growth. This is the part of Moses being tested. The response of God to Moses. First, God is God. God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I'm the Lord. Now that's not a very satisfying response in some ways. But in essence, he's saying, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you why. One of the most difficult challenges of the Christian life is when we read the promises of God, we have a certain scenario worked out in our minds of what God is going to do as a result of the fact that he's a loving, gracious, and merciful God. We read the promises, and we think that we're going to see God work in a certain way, and it doesn't at all turn out the way that we anticipated. It doesn't turn out for what seems to be the better, but rather it seems to be for the worse. And we have the tendency to ask God why. And as Moses 
many times the response is, I'm not going to tell you. We're not going to tell you. There are a myriad of situations in life that we face that we have no clue as to why. I have the privilege, joy, and burden many times to meet with people. To meet with people. This morning, I relayed to you the situation with Brandon and uh, Amanda and uh, the fact that their child is going to be uh, severely uh, limited, that her brain is not forming the way that it should. And the uh, outcome looks pretty dire. I have no answer as to why. I don't know why. Now, they haven't asked me why, but if they were to ask me why, I don't know. I don't know a lot of things in my own life. One of the questions that I raised personally My own life was when my father developed Alzheimer's. Here was a person who was an elder in the church. He was our Wednesday night prayer meeting leader. He taught Sunday school. He had a good mind. Used that mind to honor and glorify God. And he got to the place where, you know, he was wetting himself and all kinds of things. And I wondered, why? What what purpose is there in this? What value is there in this? Why would God allow it? Now, I can look and say there are many things. My my children learned a great deal through this. Uh, It increased my love for my wife as I saw her deal with my father. It was my father, not hers. And And the compassion and the tenderness that she showed, she taught me a lot. And my estimation for her grew immensely. I can see loads of good that came out of it. But even with the loads of good, I can also see loads of heartache. It's natural to ask the question, why? And God's response to the big why questions is that I am God. Now that initially is not satisfying at all. At least to me, that's not very satisfying. So we need to look at the other two statements. Secondly, Moses will see God at work. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Moses, you're going to come to understand. You're going to come to better realize what's taking place. Now, there are, I'm not saying that we know every answer to all the why questions. I do think, I do believe, that when we're in the presence of God, when we look back on this life, it's going to become crystal clear. The Bible says we're going to know fully even as we are fully known. That doesn't mean we're going to have the mind of God. That doesn't mean we're going to know all things. But I believe it means that the, the, the curtain is raised. 
Just as Job didn't understand why the things were coming unto him, but the curtain was raised for us. We got to see what was going on. We got to see what God was doing. Well, I believe those things happen in our life. I think one day we will see. We will know. We will, we will understand. And we will agree with God that it was the right thing to do. He said, you'll see me work. You'll see me work. And then thirdly, he said that he was the Almighty. Notice in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of, and then I should have underlined this word, mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of the country. Moses, don't fear Pharaoh. Pharaoh can't do anything that I don't allow him to do. God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. For me, there is no greater comfort than the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. God is over all things. So when we ask the why questions... It's not because God can't. It's not because there's the situation that's out from under the control of God. It's not because the evil one got a victory in this particular instance and overcame the power and will of God. It's it's not because of Satan. It's not because of human beings. It's not because of bad luck. It's not because of blind faith. Our lives are ordered of the Lord. And that's what Moses is to take away from this. Moses, you don't understand now. One day you will. Moses, what you need to know is I am God. There is none like me. And you need to understand that I am all-powerful. He's going to understand that God is merciful. He's going to understand that God is gracious. He's going to have the, the revelation of God. That's what we're going to look at next when he's on... On, on the mountain, and he asked to see the glory of God. Moses' knowledge of God is going to increase greatly. But it starts here. And I think these are the baby steps in our own relationship to God. To be able to say, God is God. To be able to say that God is all-powerful, God is almighty. And to say, you know, someday I'm going to understand. I don't now. But by faith I trust him. May God help us in all of our questions, in all of our afflictions, in all of our hardships, to acknowledge God for who he is, that we might love him, worship him, and serve him. Let's pray. Our Father, even as you delivered your children to worship and serve you, you have delivered us to worship and serve you as well. And in this process of deliverance, as we look to the new heavens and new earth, as we look to the resurrection, as we look to being in your presence forever and ever, even as the children of Israel look forward to the promised land, Lord, we realize that this present journey is wrought with a lot of hardship and difficulty and things that we don't understand. So, O God, refresh us and renew us. Give us confidence that you are God, that you are almighty, and that we will understand one day. Grant us peace and comfort, Lord. Grant us of your mercy. We pray for our brothers and sisters in their afflictions and in their questions and in their hardships. Help them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.